Welcome to the Reunion Church Podcast. We're a community following Jesus, seeking the good of our city. We hope today's teaching is both challenging and encouraging. If we could be a resource to you on your spiritual journey, don't hesitate to reach out via our website at reunionnyc.com. And today's teaching text comes from Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, your, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, guys, and thank you, Katie. So excited about what you guys are working on with the pilot program, and really appreciate you taking the time to do it. You guys are really amazing. So, um, Well, good morning, and definitely grateful um, to gather again to worship. Um, and another Sunday is a gift um, to each of us, and so um, welcome. If you're new, uh, my name's Russell, and I'm one of the pastors here, and would love to meet you after if you'd like to hang around for uh, a few minutes. Um, I want to continue our emotionally healthy journey today, but before I do, one more thing. Our church is just a bit over a year old, and we thought it would be a good time to learn about who we are as a community, the um, collective things that we long for, um, where we're coming from in the city. And so we have this all-church survey. You can scan this QR code here on the screen, actually, if you'd like to do this this morning. Um, We'll post it on our Instagram. It's on the links page, and it was in the newsletter this morning. And so um, anyway, this takes about two minutes. I'm not going to be offended at all if you want to do it right now. Um, But if you've been here three or more times, I would just ask that you would consider um, filling this out. Um, It's really designed for us to dream about um, the next phase or next season of our church, uh, a possible new venue, just thinking about what is best and feasible for uh, a church our size. No worries. There's some questions about like service times in there. Like, don't stress about anything. Just fill it out honestly. Um, and then there's um, questions in there just about where you're located in the city. That just helps us get um, best reference for um, where we are as a church, literally, physically um, in the city. Um, there's questions in there about serving and loving the city's um, injustices that that break your heart. There's some questions in there about that. And then there's ways of spurs, uh, spiritual and personal. Um, growth, and that's just going to help us think about how we do our community groups. Um, and so please try and do that this week. We're hoping for 40, 45 responses to that. So, um, And if you're on your phone today, I'll just assume that's what you're doing. And so it's a gift maybe to you as well. So, All right, let's pray, and then we're going to talk about the Sabbath today. And so, Father, we pause from whatever we're coming from, from the chaos of um, work, from the pressures of family, from our kids, from the intensity sometimes of our great city, and we come to rest and to pause. I pray that today by your spirit, um, we would just be invited into your presence, that you would be seen here in this place, that you would um, speak to our souls that are deeply longing for more, and that you might be found today in our midst through your word, in your presence, through worship. And I just pray this morning that what we have not that you'd give us, and what we know not would you teach us, and what we are not would you make us. And so we love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 
All right, here's a quote from a Japanese theologian named Kosuki Koyama. He says, love has its speed. It is a different kind of speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. It goes on in the depths of life at three miles per hour. It is the speed we walk and therefore the speed the love of God walks. I just thought this was so beautiful thinking um, about the speed of God. Three miles an hour. Three miles an hour is the average speed that you and I um, would walk if we didn't live in New York probably. Um, But he says in this book that it's the speed of love, that three miles an hour is the speed of discipleship, walking with Jesus slowly, gently. And we live in New York, so like let's go four or five miles an hour, right? Like let's push it a little bit more. It's too slow to go three miles an hour, right? There's too much to do. There's way too much accomplished in this world to walk three miles an hour. And so the invitation this morning is to slow down, to be present, to breathe, to be a human being and not a human doing. Um, I was laughing this week as I was looking at our text, which is in the Ten Commandments, and I, I just, it struck me. I was like, it's the Ten Commandments, right? Not the Ten Suggestions or the Ten Life Hacks or the Ten Good Ideas, but it's like the commandment, right? AKA, God is not asking us permission, right? But I do want to simultaneously think about these uh, ideas of commands as both um, commands, right? But also a gift. I think the Sabbath is a gift that we don't really understand what to do with. Or um, we look at people and we think, wow, they observe the Sabbath. That's so legalistic. A professor uh, where I went to Fuller says this. He says, the Sabbath is a gift we don't know how to receive. In a world of doing, going, and producing, we have no use for a gift that invites us to stop. But that is the original gift, a gift of rest. And so today I really want to hone in on this, the fourth commandment, the uh, commandment to a sustainable life rhythm. God says, for in six days you work, and one day is set aside for rest. So six days of work and one day to rest. And some of us actually need to hear the six-day one, right, the work one. We need to actually hear that we believe in hard work, that we were created to craft and cultivate and build and interject the world with beauty and purpose to make art and to teach others and to create spreadsheets and to put our unique giftedness to work. Some of us need to hear that. That's not the sermon today. That's another one. But some of us need to hear the hard work teaching, right? And the rest of us need to hear the rest hard, the intentional rest. And that's exactly what Sabbath means. It's a day of rest ceasing from our work, and it's a day to enjoy the result of our work. In fact, I think followers of Jesus have often overlooked how essential and central the Sabbath was to God's people in the Old Testament. In in the Jewish culture, the Shabbat or the Sabbath is observed at sundown on Friday and lasts until sundown on Saturday. And again, we look at it and we say, well, it's just like That seems kind of rigid to like do nothing on purpose for a full 24-hour period. But if we think that, we actually miss the heartbeat. The heartbeat is that we would um, enjoy a day of simply being. It's a weekly gift from God to just be present. And so if you have any Jewish friends um, that keep the Sabbath in any real way, they're uh, they're not going to drive. They're not going to do laundry. They're not going to shop or make purchases. They're not going to use the phone. They're not going to turn off or or on anything that has uh, electricity. Um, I was reading this week about um, the legendary photo video store B&H 
and uh, B&H um, is owned and partly operated by observic, observant Hasidic Jews. And so they actually like close the whole month of September and October, but um, they're so observant of the high holidays. I found out this week, this is so fascinating, on the Sabbath, their physical store is closed. But if you go on their website on Saturdays during the day, you can peruse their website. You cannot purchase anything. And they're that serious about observing the Sabbath in terms of not making any purchases. And again, we're like, ah, oh, that seems so lame. How restrictive, right? That's so weird. For them, it's not like that, right? It's not like that. It's this joyous day of rest. And you and I, we can look at that and say, you know what? That's just, why? Why would you be so legalistic and rigid in that way? But I would push back against us who are arguing in our heads. And here's what I would say is, you live in one of the most fast-paced, workaholic cultures in the world, in the capitalist city of the world. This is the thing we actually need to learn to do best if we're going to live in a city like New York. Even, even if we think that um, it's misguided or taken too far, there's something to learn and to lean into. So here's what Exodus 28 through 11 says. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who's within your gates. And then look what it's rooted in here in verse 11. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and look who rests. God rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Here's what the writer is beginning to say. He's saying... There's a, there's a rhythm. There's a, a way we were made. Like, I don't know about you, but like you wake up on a Monday morning, you know that the week is beginning, right? Because there's a rhythm to the way that we were created. It's in our um, biology. And I was thinking a lot about this idea this week. I'm like, oh, I just have to remind people that they will Sabbath. Like you're going to Sabbath. It's, it's whether you're gonna choose to let it be a gift and you're gonna say, you know what? I, this is a gift and I have limitations and I'm tired and I'm done and I need to pause and I need to unplug because I'm, I'm, I'm approaching my limit. That, that'd be a way of approaching it as a gift and as a rhythm. Or you will be given over to your workaholism, your doing and your going. And what will happen is you burn out, you get sick, you get diagnosed with something health-related, anxiety-related. And so today I wanna preempt that. Let's preempt that and let's create a sustainable life rhythm where we participate in it freely. And so this is what I want to talk about today. Sabbath rest resetting us, resetting our anxious souls, resetting our relationships, and then resetting our identity. So Sabbath rest resets the anxious soul. This is where I will begin. I've really, really fascinating kind of Bible nerd geek stuff, but the, um, the Ten Commandments are actually listed in two places um, in the Old Testament in Exodus and in Deuteronomy. And so I'll just zoom out really quick here. The first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers, and historically they're called the Torah. Perfect, right? They're called the Torah. It simply means um, the law or the teaching. And the reason that the Ten Commandments are listed twice, um, in Ex once in Exodus and once in Deuteronomy, is because they're actually written to two different audiences. And so Exodus is written at Mount Sinai to a people fresh out of slavery in Egypt. They experienced oppression, and they knew life under sla in slavery under Pharaoh in Egypt. That's Exodus. Forty years later, Deuteronomy is written. Deuteronomy just means second law, and it was written 
to a different audience, into a new generation of people. And so their parents and their grandparents knew slavery under Pharaoh, but they themselves did not know life of oppression and slavery. And so in Exodus, it says, keep the Sabbath holy. Six days you shall do your labor and you shall work, but the seventh day is for the Lord. And it's the same in Deuteronomy up until this point. This is where it breaks. It's the same up in uh, the Ten Commandments are the same up until this point. In Exodus, it goes on to say this. For in six days the Lord's made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Exodus, this, this audience understood oppression and slavery. He didn't have to mention it. He says, I'm rooting this in a rhythm of creation. You know that your God rested, and so you should rest. And in Deuteronomy, it's a little bit different. In Deuteronomy, these people didn't know life in, under Pharaoh. And so it says, And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. There's one other difference um, in these two texts. In Exodus, it says, Remember the Sabbath. And in Deuteronomy, it says, observe the Sabbath. And so there's just a, like, a little bit of variation, but there's a reason and a purpose. Why, why am I trying to, for you to grasp this? In Deuteronomy, or sorry, excuse me, in Exodus, it's about rhythm. It's about delight in what God has created. It's about emulating this God who rests from his creation. In Deuteronomy, Sabbath is about opposition and refusal of the current empire. In Deuteronomy, it's a pushback, a resistance to the pace and way of the world. In Exodus 5, um, you're getting a picture of what's taking place um, for the Israelite people um, in oppression. And what you get here in this passage is you, you're, you're going to see it. I'll read it to you in a second. But it's anxiety, restlessness, and the Israelite people in slavery. So just for a little bit of context sake, so I can build this out here for you. The Jewish people, or the Israelite people, are slaves in Egypt under Pharaoh. And Moses and Aaron are sent by God to these people, and um, they go to Pharaoh and they say, let, me, let my people go. Let my people go into the wilderness so that they can worship. They're, they're, he's like, let them take a break from their work. We'll come back, but we are going to have a festival in, the, in honor of God in the wilderness. And so they, they go to Pharaoh and say this, and Pharaoh says no. And this is what he says. Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. He's making their work harder. But the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us go and off offer sacrifices to our God. Let heavier works be laid on men so that they may labor at it and pay no regards to lying words. So the taskmaster and the foreman of the people went out to the people and says, thus says your Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. And then skipping down to verse 17, it says this, but he said, you are idle. The word means lazy. You're idle. That is why you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given you, but you will still deliver the same number of bricks. Why are you distracting the people from their tasks? Get back to work. Do, um, do not supply more straw for making bricks. Make them go get it themselves. Don't reduce the quote. They are lazy. Make them sweat. 
And it's, it's absolutely awful and dark reality, but it's clear in a system like this, rest is not possible. No days off only work. And what drives Pharaoh is consumption and production. And so let me, let me build like a little bit of a bridge here. Thank God we're not ancient Israelite people um, under slavery. That's real, and I don't want to lessen the historical impacts of slavery in, by comparison. That stands, and that is horrible. But I do think there's something in this text that we can um, relate to, and actually the thing that we can feel. Like, we, we know when we're approaching burnout. We, we know the pressures of a boss weighing down on us, Right? We know what it's like to not have many days off when the anxiety and the pressure and the restlessness of working around the clock or school around the clock, production and consumption drive us. Like even think about the way that we work in the city is like, it's like we go to work and then like we, we have to produce, we have to produce, but we get off work and we either like go home, hide, watch TV, right? Or... We consume, we go out, we grab drinks, we grab dinner. And so it's this cycle of production and consumption and production and consumption that really push us. And, and a lot of times in these cycles, there's little to no rest until we reach a breaking point. Uh, I read this week that Americans have actually, in the last couple of years, left record numbers of vacation days, PTO days, left on the table. In 2019, more than 55% of people reported not using all of their days off. And of course, like the emergence of hybrid remote work, we're constantly connected, so we work all the time because we can work anywhere, right? Work is right with us at home, to, the, um, to dinner, to the gym, to the weekend. And I think that um, we begin to feel the weight of that, right? And we understand that um, process. And I love that the passages actually speak to different aspects of how and why we should rest. But Sabbath rest resets the anxious soul because actually it's an act of liberation against endless productivity, endless creating, endless commodity, right? The world is coming at you and saying, what are you producing? What are you accomplishing? What's the latest thing that you have done? And I would like to think about God. God is not addicted to work. God is not a workaholic. He could have been, right? Like he's like, I don't need rest. He rest. I don't think God rests on the seventh day because he needs to and he's tired, but I think he's saying, here's how you should live your life. Here's a pattern that you can emulate. You can put the work down. I'm not anxious about creation. God is not anxious about creation. And maybe, maybe that would actually add a bit of hope to your life today where you're like, life feels out of control. God is not anxious about creation. God rests on the Sabbath. He does. Russell, you don't understand what I do for a living, though. Like, you don't get it. I need to be plugged in. I need to be ready, right? Even if I could unplug, Russell, you, you're telling me one full 24-hour period off a week to let it go, to be, to be hands-off. There's no way that I can do that. You know, I think the message that God sends in the Sabbath is really, really simple. And I think it's this. There is a God, and you're not him. There is a God, and you're not him. I think that's a simple message of the Sabbath. It's like we take our hands off the wheel on the Sabbath to say, you know what, God actually is at work. God, God sustains, God controls. So Sabbath rest resets the anxious soul, but there's also a relational dynamic at work. And so Sabbath rest also resets um, relationship. And so uh, I want to put the Ten Commandments here on the screen. Notice here, I, I find this really fascinating. This is in Exodus. You have the first three commandments, and they're like really focused and narrowed in on God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. All the first three, they're about God. 
They're about God's nature. They're about his character. They're about who God is. And then the fourth one, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. We'll just leave that there for a second because it serves as a sort of bridge because the last six are about us, right? About how to live as a neighbor. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet. I find this interesting that the Sabbath serves as that bridge, but it's a break in direction, right? The first three commandments are right here. They're, they're uh, vertical in nature. The last six are between us. But what the Sabbath does is it takes a look at God. It takes a look at God, and it says, God, who are you? You're the God that rests. You're the God that's not anxious. Okay, well, we can actually do that as a community too, right? This is how we actually are supposed to live in community. We take who you are, and we rest, and we understand who we are as we rest, and then we notice how to be a neighbor. The Sabbath serves as like a hinge point for um, how to be in relationship with others and with God. In Leviticus chapter 23, it says, There are six days you may work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work wherever you live. It is a Sabbath to the Lord. And I love this phrase, a sacred assembly. And so to the Israelite people, the Sabbath is not just a, a day to, you know, do mindfulness and chill out, but it's like a day to also worship, to be in the presence of other people worshiping, right? It's not like a life hack like Pilates and kale smoothies, but it's actually about other people in the process. I remember when I was uh, like, I was probably 17, I was in this Bible study, um, I had this amazing mentor, his name was Ian, and um, we would go to Ian's house every week for Bible study, and I remember one time um, I, I walked up, and it must have been the winter time, I grew up in North Phoenix, and so it was like right on the edge of the desert, it was Ian's house. And so we go out to, um, to Ian's house, and um, it was dark out, and I got to the door, and he had a sign on the door, and it just says, we are, at back. We are out back, please come in quietly. And I sort of assumed that, um, you know, his kids were sleeping or something, so it, we were, like, kind. I don't know, 17-year-olds aren't, aren't all that kind, but, uh, like, go in quietly, go out back, and there's these chairs that are sort of set up just looking out towards the mountains into the sky, and there's not a lot of light out there, and so you can, like, actually see uh, the stars. And Ian very quietly came up and said, hey, tonight, guys, all we're going to do is sit here quietly, 45 minutes, an hour, and we're just going to look up at the stars. And we were just like, that's so dumb. So we sat there, complete silence. And I think maybe the, the cynicism, the annoyance of what he was asking to do just sort of faded. And that night, my friends and I talk about it pretty regularly, actually, that we just sat in Ian's backyard. We didn't say anything, but it felt like this sort of bonding experience for us. And I think what Ian taught us that night is, and, and, and Ian in and of himself is an amazing businessman. He's like traveled the world. Um, he wanted to show us that um, we shouldn't wear busyness as a badge of honor, but that we could actually find and seek God and, um, in the quiet and in the stillness, and it's still a gift to me. And when I was praying this week, I was thinking about our church, and I was like, what if reunion was just known as a place that's just not anxious? Like, the, the world is, is going, right? Like, there's so much going on. There's, there's so many things happening. Like, I, I don't know about you, but, like, you're looking at your calendar, and it's like, I got, I've, got, I've got to cancel three things because I'm double booked, right? It's a mess right now. But what if reunion was known as a place where we'd say, you know what? Like, I left there, and I was less anxious than when I walked in, and that was actually a gift um, to myself 
it was a gift to God, and it was a gift to other people. Because here, here's what that ultimately looks like, right? If, if, if our community is a place where we can just be present, we can rest, we can breathe, it sort of feels like a reprieve, then we can go and have coffee with a friend this week and be completely present. Like, you know what it's like when you get to coffee and they're like, how are you doing? You're like, I'm so tired. And then basically what you're saying is, would you listen to me for 30 minutes, right? Because you're so burned out. And that's okay, and that's valid, and we should do that. And we should, I, hope, I hope you have friends that you're able to do that with. But what would it also be like to go to coffee with a friend this week and just be like, how are you? I'm fueled up. I'm ready to go. You know, maybe you're not like as eccentric and excited as I am. But, um, but I just think that there's a, there's a difference, right? When we're on the verge of burnout, we don't actually have a lot to give other people. But if we're rested, what we find is that the relationships both reset us for a lot of us, but also we're present for the other people and it ends up being a gift for them. And so Sabbath rest resets the anxious relationship. And then lastly, I think this is probably the most important part, is Sabbath resets our identity. Sabbath resets our, our, our identity. The issue that has come our way and the real reason that we need to rest from our work is what we've done is we've actually uh, sought out an identity um, who we are as people through performance and accomplishment. And, and maybe I'd add to that a little bit perception, right? And that's why I love the, the creation narrative. We're learning about God. God chooses to rest, to give us a picture of what a sustainable life rhythm is. But I don't, I don't only think it's that. What happens in, the, in, in Genesis 1 and 2 is it says um, uh, it was good, right? God creates and he says it was good, it was good, it was good. And on the last day... Um, man, man was created, it was very good, right? It was very good. What is God doing on the Sabbath? He's delighting, right? God is not sad on the Sabbath. God is delighting in the things that he has created. He can unplug and enjoy and delight. And what you would actually find if you honored the Sabbath, and like a, some, some of us need the literal like 24-hour period. I'm not saying all of us do. Some of us need like the literal because what we'd actually find is we don't have to go out and through production and, and, and consumption get an identity or seize an identity on our own. What we'd actually do on the Sabbath is begin to receive. We'd receive our identity as a gift. We don't have to go get it through hard work and accomplishment, but we just give it as a gift. So back in 2015, um, I had been a pastor for four years in 2015, and uh, my previous church had this policy that every pastor on staff, every four years, would have a 40-day sabbatical. And it was funny because I was 25, 26 at the time. My time was up. And literally, there was like a question like, should we give that guy a sabbatical? He's so young, you know? And so around our church, like, you know, they gave us the days. We had like, scheduled it. I was like telling, I was finding replacements for, for um, you know, my areas of ministry. And um, people are like, are you, are you old enough for that? Like, or like, there was kind of like, did this dude do something wrong? Like, is that why he's getting these 40 days off, you know? And I, it was interesting. I think in some people's eyes, I hadn't earned it yet, right? He hadn't worked long enough yet to earn a sabbatical, which is a total misunderstanding of the idea of Sabbath, understanding it as a gift. And so what Katie and I did um, is we, we came here to the city. Um, we just came to, to unplug. It's kind of a weird place to do sabbatical, but we came to unplug, um, not to do, to just be. And I'll never forget my first like seven to 10 days being here in the city and not working. I would just like open my email for no reason and just be like, oh, nobody wants me, you know? I just, and I just put it away. Like I did not know what to do with myself because I just stopped 
working. And the most beautiful thing happened. I got back to my church after 40 days. Hello? It all went fine without me. It all functioned fine without me. It probably went better in some ways, right? But I was, this was one of my greatest learnings is that I came back and it was all fine without me and I, I, I sunk a little. I was like, I'm not that important. I'm not that important. And what I realized is that my identity is not that I'm a pastor. My primary identity is not that I'm a husband or a friend or a son. My approval as a person is not based on my performance. But so often it's the exact thing that we, um, that we look to. Did people see me? Did people notice me? Right? Do people see me crushing it? Like you're going to go home for Christmas in a couple weeks. It's like, I wonder if my dad knows that I am killing it at work, you know? It's crazy how sort of um, fickle and insecure we are. But like, I'm, I'm thinking that. I'm like, I hope my dad sees that my church still exists after a year. You know, like that's a winning in the church world right now, okay? But I think this is the key to the Sabbath. You're not your work. You're not what other people say about you. You're not your greatest accomplishment and you're not your darkest failure. That's not who you are. And when you pause for 24 hours, my hope is that you would do this and you would hear a still small voice that say, you are my child, you are my beloved, you can be. You don't have to do anything. And so what I'm learning here through the Sabbath is that my approval is in Christ and it's not conditional on my performance. And that's what the Sabbath um, teaches us right? We're not trying to earn God's love through um, crushing it at work or showing up to church enough times or being happy in community group, but we rest because God is actually already pleased with us. He's already pleased that we're his beloved. Walter Bergman says it like this. He says, when we, what we find is that the Sabbath is a school for our desires, an expose and a critique of the false desires that focus on idolatry and greed that have immense power over us. When we do not pause for Sabbath, these false desires take power over us, but Sabbath is the chance for a self-embrace of our true identity. Nothing like the Sabbath to push back against, I love that, idolatry and greed that have secret power over us. And so I want to get a little bit practical, right? Sabbath rest uh, resets the anxious soul. It resets relationships. It, it, it has the ability and the potential to... Um, um, to reset our identity, but like maybe you're already thinking like, well, like, what am I supposed to do like on the Sabbath? If I'm going to take like a full 24-hour period off, like what am I supposed to do? Wrong question, all right? Now, I don't want to shame you, but in, in all actuality, um, we're asking questions, right? Like is, is the Sabbath Saturday? Is it like Sunday? Is it like corporate worship? Um, let's just kind of break this down. So what are we not doing on the Sabbath? What are we not doing on the Sabbath? And the first answer is work. We're not doing work, right? We're unplugging. We're turning off our email. We aren't taking calls. We're letting things fall by the wayside, right? It, which, in fact, tells, me, tells, tells us something about the Sabbath, and I think that we can learn from the Jewish culture here, is that we likely need to plan for the Sabbath. If we're going to actually take a day and rest, there are probably things that we're going to need to do to prepare for that. Um, maybe that means if you have a deadline coming up or a midterm due, you're, you're going to get ready. You're going to do that prior to. Or maybe the household chores are piling up, and you're just like, I either need to choose to do that before, or I need to let it go, and I'll do it after. But you prep. You empty the email inbox. You do the laundry after, whatever it may be. What else are we not doing on the Sabbath? I think that I've been thinking a lot about that Deuteronomy passage, and I think we should question our consumption. 
And I don't think that we should be overly legalistic and be like, I don't purchase anything. Like, I don't, I don't spend any money on the Sabbath. That could be a good, like, budgeting hack, I guess. But I think at the very minimum, we should be questioning our production and our consumption, right? I'm not saying it's a sin to, like, shop on the Sabbath. Not what I'm saying. But I do think that departing the consumer culture could actually be a, a productive way of rest uh, for many of us. Um, an, another note there is, um, you know, taking, taking the Sabbath is not about rules, right? It's about enjoying life, about enjoying relationship with others. Like the dreamiest Sabbath day morning I could ever think of is um, someone else watching my children and then like going to the Union Square Farmer's Market, just grabbing some flowers, walking around, coming home, right? That, that could be like an actual ray, way of rest and um, presence. Uh, there's a great passage in the Gospels where Jesus um, is arguing with the religious leaders, and he says the Sabbath was made to meet the, the, um, the needs of the people, and we're not to meet the needs of the, the Sabbath. And I think that's really important. What do, you, um, what do you need to push back against? And I think there, um, we should question our consumption and our production. I'll, I'll leave that. Um, timing. Saturday, Sunday, um, my day off is Monday. I always try to Sabbath on Monday as much as I can. Um, if you're like, I work on the weekends or, you know, I'm really busy on the weekends, maybe three evenings a week, you look at your schedule and say, you know what, I'm actually going to intentionally rest three evenings a week. Uh, what, what are we not doing on the Sabbath? Here's the other thing we're not doing on the Sabbath. We're not worrying. There are other types of work than physical work, Right. Um, mental, emotional work that we're trying to be engaged in, um, but the, the Sabbath is an invitation to rest emotionally and mentally from these causes. And so put away the to-do list, put away the decision-making, and in doing so, what, what you'll actually see is you're going to pause some of the worry. So last thing here, what are we doing on the Sabbath? I think that we should think about um, that word that God looks on the Sabbath, delight. What are we doing on the Sabbath? We're delighting. So how has God created you and what do you enjoy doing? And then bring it to these two questions, play and pray. Play and pray. It's like the easiest way that I can think about actually doing the Sabbath, playing. Like what do you love to do? Writing poetry, baking, playing music, picnic in the park, reading, playing sports, to be rested and whole and reminding that you are a whole person. Here's a challenge, eat slow. Like, eat slow that you might actually enjoy your food. I, like, eat things in, like, five seconds, and then I got to feed another mouth. But, like, what if on the Sabbath you ate and drank slow so that you could actually taste and enjoy the things that God has given to you as a gift? How about a nap? All right? I'm, like, I'm going to take this today, right? When we play, what we find is we're not in control of managing the world, and we remember we're not God. And just a side note, this should have been a bigger note, like your phone, if you're going to Sabbath, your phone can Sabbath too. Like it's probably not a, a lot of rest happening on your phone, let's just be honest. And you don't want to live your life through a five by two screen anyway. That's boring. All right, pray. Last one. Sabbath is not just leisure, right? Otherwise, you know, I just say go on vacation. But what about God on the Sabbath? Time with him, scripture, prayer, to sit in the stillness and the quiet and to be reminded some, some scripture reading time to be reminded of who you are, that you love, that God cares, that he's working in your midst. A time for you to thank, to listen to God, to sing songs, to remember who you are. And so I want to challenge some of you today. Maybe you're overwhelmed in this current season. If that's you, please, please, please tune in. 
if you're anxious in this season. Maybe you just feel like your calendar is out of order, your life is out of balance, and maybe you've even been saying lately, I need a vacation. Maybe not so much what you need is a vacation, but you actually need to reprioritize some things in your life. I think a great way to kickstart that is a 24-hour Sabbath. It's a way to kick in. It's hard. I'm going to tell you right now, it's hard at first. You're like, you wake up in the morning and you like start doing things, and then you're like, I'm not supposed to be doing anything. And so give yourself kindness, but what would it look like for you to take a full 24-hour period away, a day off of work, and where you say, I know I'm remote, I'm still not working, right? Like you got to maybe create the boundaries. Maybe after midterms for some of you students, like that would be a good time to say, 24 hours, I'm doing nothing. That's my challenge for you today. The band is going to come up, um, and uh, they're actually going to sing the song. I, I'm, I'm hoping that we can just sit and uh, listen to it. Um, here's a, a line from the song here. The song is called Only You by this, um, by this band called Of The Land, and the song just, uh, the chorus goes like this. Only you can quench our insatiable hearts, for our rest can only be found in your arms. Our lives are yours, for only you can satisfy, only you satisfy. And so um, please sit and enjoy this song as, um, as Brandon comes and um, sings it, and then we'll come back and do communion. So let me pray for us. So Father, we, um, we are a doing and a going people, and I pray that right now we would actually just practice that. We would practice your presence. We would practice a bit of reprieve and rest that the things that um, distract us, that um, call for our attention, important things, in fact, that we would just let those fade into the background. Maybe uh, the image I get is sort of handing it to, to your son, Jesus, and, and we can pick it up in a minute. But right now, I just pray that you'd free us from that, that we would just be in the midst of your presence, that we'd sing this song, that you would give us rest deep down in our soul. And then when we leave, we can pick those things back up and we can learn to practice the Sabbath rest. And so we sing to you now. In your son's name, amen. Amen.